Welcome to the Produce Industry Podcast, your weekly download on current events, trends, market reports, and community discussions. Join us each week from Tampa, Florida, as we cover all aspects of the produce supply chain industry. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Patrick Kelly. Hey everyone, Patrick Kelly, and welcome back to the Produce Industry Podcast, partnered with Terra Exports. So over the last couple months, we have signed two official partners for the podcast, our fancy partner, the Interra Exports LLC, headquartered in Las Vegas, Nevada, and Ag Tools Inc., headquarters in Irvine, California. So we want to give them to a huge shout out and a round of applause for being partners on the Produce Industry Podcast. Now today we have a very special guest, Randy Hartman, president of Pacific Pro. Now today, Randy and I are going to talk about COVID life. I know, you're probably tired of hearing it, but we're going to talk about how Randy and his organization has adapted and pivoted through the COVID-19 pandemic, a little chatter on the Farmers to Families Box program, as well as what Pacific Pro has in store for the remainder of the summer. A couple current events for August 2020, we have the Fresh Summit PMA Virtual Town Hall on August 13th. We then have the U.S. Apple Outlook Virtual Conference on August 20th through the 21st. And on August 25th, Sarah Fry from Fry Farms is releasing her book, The Growing Season. So check out some of these current events that are happening. And now let's get Randy Hartman on the line. Hey, Randy. Welcome to the show today. Hey, thanks for having me, Patrick. I appreciate it. Hey, no, it's great to start a new relationship, especially during these COVID-19 times. We call it relationships are everything. And we met on LinkedIn after you've been posting a few good articles um, regarding around your leadership and your company. And obviously, when I see things like that, I, I automatically have to reach out. And I think that LinkedIn has been a very cool tool to use during this pandemic, wouldn't you say? Uh, I would. Yeah, it's it's one way to connect uh, with other people in the industry, kind of stay posted on what's going on. So yeah, I appreciated you reaching out to me. I've tried to engage with it a little bit more uh, just for our customers, market updates, things like that. And uh, so yeah, I'm glad you reached out. Honored to be a part of this. I love podcasts. I love listening to them, but I've, I've never been a part of one. So hopefully I'm not too boring. No, no way, man. So let's give Randy a, a big round of applause for being on his first podcast, everyone. And we talked a little bit about Pacific Pro in the intro, but you know what? Can you give us a little 30,000 foot overview of your company and your organization, just in case our listeners do not know who you are, though? Yeah, sure. I'd love to. Um, we are a fresh produce distributor here in Washington State. Uh, the company Pacific Pro was founded by my father back in the 80s. And uh, we distribute all fresh produce items, pretty much everything we grow in Washington State. Apples and pears are probably 70% of our, our product mix, but we also have russet North Dakota potatoes, red and Yukon gold, purple potatoes, yellow, red, white onions, asparagus, rhubarb, um, and, and a couple other things. So those are cherries, stone fruit. Those are our primary commodities. And uh, we distribute to every state in the United States, uh, except, I guess, Hawaii. And uh, we handle all the logistics in-house. And, and uh, so we try to be a, a provider of the full um, supply chain. We, we procure the product. We inspect the product. We move it into our crosstalk warehouse. We hire the trucks. And uh, we handle everything between PO and delivery. 
So I uh, started back in the 80s. My father's been in the business since he was a young man. And uh, my brother and I joined him about 16 years ago and kind of just been, been building the business since. This is, this is definitely a unique season, though. The COVID stuff is, is um, something we're having to adapt to pretty quickly. Oh, 100%. 100%. And I'll tell you what, I do love uh, the fresh produce on your website because you got this huge line of apples, right? They're just yeah. apples throughout like the shelf. And I did an apple taste off, Randy. I'm not even sure if you saw that. I did an apple taste off about a month ago on my YouTube channel, The Produce Industry Show. And I oh, went awesome. through which one was the best apple. Now, keep in mind, I got a lot of comments of people saying, you didn't try the Cosmic Crisp. You didn't try this one. And, you know, apparently there's like, you know, 30 different varieties of apples. I only had eight varieties, but I actually named, I believe it was the Opal Apple, which was the best taste of, you know, piece of fruit at the time, right? But everybody's like, no, there's so many more apples you have to try. So looking at your little mix here, I believe that I probably have to try a lot more apples on my plate, man, for sure. <laughs> well, and I, I think, you know, taste preference is unique, right? And that's why we have so many different varieties coming out of here. So if the opal's your favorite, it's your favorite, right? Everybody's kind of got their own. And that's, that's a really unique thing about apples over the last decade is they've worked really hard to kind of decommoditize them, uh, especially here in Washington State. So Rather than it being, you know, Red Delicious, a Granny Smith, a Gold, and Gala, they've really come up with some unique taste profiles, which has really um, created a, a unique space for apples. They're taking up more shelf space, I believe, at retail. But, you know, you've got uh, the Honey Crisp kind of was the start of that. But you've got the Smitten Cosmic Crisp is the big, big one right now that'll be increasing significantly over the next couple of years. NB, Jazz, Kiku. Like you said, Opal, there, there's so many of them. It's hard to keep up. Dude, I know, dude, I'm telling you when I, and everybody told me that like Honeycrisp is going to win it. Honeycrisp is going to win it. And I, I had it all hyped up in my mind, but you're right. Every taste, everybody's got a different taste profile and people were telling me, oh, granny's going to win it. Man, as soon as I ate that granny, I knew it wasn't going to win. Like I knew the granny wasn't going to win because that's just my taste preference. But if you go to my brother, he is a huge granny fan and he probably would have made the granny go a lot higher up on the scale than I did. Um, but that's what we love, right? What a cool thing to be in the produce industry and be able to try all these different varieties. And I think the same thing with grapes, right? I've never tried the cotton candy grape, but everybody's like, as soon as you try it, you're never going to have another grape. You're going to always want this specific grape. So it, it is pretty cool. So, and you, you yeah. spoke a little bit about COVID though. So how has your company been hanging through this, man? I mean, uh, every company's going through this differently. What about you guys? Um, you know, I, I think we are adapting and evolving as necessary. We're up in the area. Our office is located in the area that kind of the original outbreak happened in the United States. We're probably about five miles from the uh, nursing home that it happened at. And we then had to, because Washington State and especially our county reacted pretty quickly. So pretty early, we recognized that we're going to have to make some changes. And so many of our processes were having everybody in the office close to each other, sharing information, pushing paper uh, across each other's desks. And when we realized we we're all going to have to be remote, we had to adapt pretty quickly, engage some new technologies, um, and meet together and, and figure out how we we're going to change processes to allow us to all work remotely. So 
it, it was, you know, with its a few hiccups here and there and not without its challenges the first couple of weeks, but our, our team's been awesome and really resilient at adapting and, uh, and taking, off, taking on a lot of these new technologies. So we live in the Microsoft Office 365 uh, ecosystem all day, every day. We, we use Teams. Uh, a lot of people use Slack or different programs like that. We've been using Teams religiously uh, for all our meetings and just day-to-day -day correspondence. So, you know, whether it's, I don't know if we're as efficient, time will tell as being in the office, but um, we're, we're making it work and uh, we're really happy with, you know, some of the success we've seen through this and, and realizing how resilient uh, I guess we are as a business and our, our team is so um, yes sounds like you're making a few different pivots man through this it sounds like you're having to create some new SOPs for the staff right sounds like yeah. you're having to do a few things within the internal cultural structure which is huge and leaders got to understand that too is that your organization isn't just driven off of what you sell. I mean, obviously everybody's going to go, what? No, we know we need the income. We know we need all this, but if you have a toxic environment within any of your teams and your culture isn't there and your team isn't there, you really don't have anything, but a few rockstar salesmen, right? I mean, and that, that's not how the company rolls. So it seems like during COVID people are starting to see the team, right? And they're probably starting to see the people that aren't on the team because I've seen people switching positions during this time period for, you know, pretty much, uh, I call them the uh, horizontal moves, right, Randy? Yeah. They, they, yeah. they go from one company at the same position to another company at the exact same position. And I, and I see that as, okay, you know, that company's probably not doing good. Sales are down. They probably had a few different accounts. Now they're going to another person to try and bring on different relationships. But again, right, if we form the right team, there's going to be so much more coming out of this technology, right, that you talked about. We need to embrace technology, build it within our team. Slack is yep. such a great model. When I worked at Hillsborough Community College uh, over there, we used uh, Canvas. Uh, we used other Blackboard. Uh, you know, we used other communication tools, right, that they mm -hmm. had us learn because they're like, listen, we don't want you guys to be emailing back and forth every day. We want you to be IMing each other. We want you to be dropping you know, valuable content into each other's folders. You know, we need, we need to stop this sending PDFs back and forth and check this and check that, right? And if you know, if you use Slack, you're able to have different colors in there, right? They can highlight what you're doing, if it's done, where the progress is and so on. So that's a pretty cool pivot, man. And I will say, I got to give you props for that because um, I haven't done that yet for me. Like I still don't even use like the self calendars, like the Calendly's or the Slacks. I did when I was at the college but I don't mm -hmm. anymore. I still do a lot of it myself. And I keep being told by some of my team members that Patrick, you could save so much more time and have more things to do if you incorporate some of these little things into your life. So, you know, great job on doing that with your team and being able to use these uh, technologies to move forward. What about on the distribution side though? What, what have you been pivoting there? How have you been kind of like uh, keeping track of supply and moving with this chaotic food chain? Yeah, I mean, I think that definitely has been a, been a challenge. You know, we're relatively diversified in our, our partners, customers. We, we do a fair amount into retail, wholesale, and food service. Um, I think early on we saw food service has and probably continues to take a brunt of, the brunt of 
the uh, the challenge and the drop in business, obviously, with restaurants not being open around the country, colleges, cruise ships, you know, any anybody that really uses food service distributors. So that was a change. Um, and we were able to pick up some of that business and, and volume in, into retail and other wholesalers. But trying to adapt to that uh, had been a little bit challenging. We're a full service distributor. So um, our average customer, we've got a lot of full load customers, but we really try to cater to the LTL customer. So an individual wholesaler that maybe uses seven pallets a week can send us a PO. We'll procure it, consolidate it, inspect it, everything, and get it from point A to B. We then have to build 20 pallet loads around that. And so when a lot of your customers that are maybe using fours and fives aren't using any right now because maybe they supply schools and the schools are out late um, spring, March, April, May, where we'd have that school business that was all kind of cleaned up. It made it a little bit challenge, challenging. So we really did have to pivot and figure out new ways and, and strategies for putting those loads together. Uh, we're really grateful that the USDA uh, pumped the liquidity into the system that it did through the Farmers to Families program. That's been uh, great for our customers. A lot of them have, have picked up those contracts and really benefited from them. And obviously, we think it's great that we can serve uh, the communities with, with apples, and that seems to be a primary item they're putting in those boxes. Uh, but we're just really grateful the USDA did that. It's not obviously without its problems. I know you've chatted with various people, Brent Aaronward and a couple others uh, on that topic, and I appreciate, appreciate the insight you guys have shared there. But, uh, but overall, I think it's been really helpful and we'll continue to kind of get dialed in for the next couple uh, contract sessions. I think they're doing a couple more, maybe till year end, if I heard correctly, of those two month at a time contracts. So that, that really has helped us. And beyond that, just having a team that's been really flexible. And, uh, you know, we've had new commodities come on this summer that we've been able to focus some of our attention on. Apple's uh, maybe down a little bit for us, but Norcotas, yellow onions, those are big items for our food service accounts. And, uh, you know, that's, that's it. I think you just kind of adapt. There's no choice but to right now, right? So we, and I'm sure everybody else you've talked to, uh, there was just a new par paradigm shift, a new normal, and you just had to operate in that space and make it work. And so We've, we've done that. We've been really fortunate to keep our entire team intact through the transition. The same, same team we had in February is the same team we have now. And um, we're just so grateful for, for them and uh, the hard work they've done to help, you know, kind of weather this unique season. Well, you know what? It's crazy because I have talked to a lot of people since the podcast inception, you know, on April 1st. And there are some people that are just staying stuck and being complacent and saying they're gonna ride out this storm. A lot of people have said that. And then I've got the other side, right? It's like, it's not even 50-50, it's all over the board. There's another yeah. percentage that is, you know, we're going full force, we're innovating, we're, we've got our people that are going, getting creative, and we're gonna figure it out, and we're testing our, you know, self to the limit, and what we can do, what our capabilities are. And then some people are like, hey, you know, we're status quo, like, we've got a, you know, million and a half crop to sell, and you know, we're, we're selling it. It's good prices. And, and we're just making sure that hopefully this doesn't happen. Right. So it's, it's, it's all over the board of what, what's happening. And 
I do agree. I'm, I'm glad you brought up the farmers, the families box deal. I actually interviewed Hardy's a few weeks back. That's going to mm -hmm. be the next episode coming out out in Houston, Hardy's Fresh Foods. And yeah. uh, it was great to talk with them. They had a subcontract and they said it was just so great to be able to test their capabilities and what more they could do. So I believe you probably went through that as well as, you know, putting these in the bag and, and saying, okay, what are we supplying? How are we doing this? And it just puts you on a level to go, all right, one, we're doing this for the community, right? I know it's, it's still yeah. a sale. It's still a sell, right? You know, you got to think of it like that because people are like, oh, you're doing such a great job for the community. But you go, yeah, I know, but I'm still getting paid. I hope you guys hope you know that. Um, but yeah, yeah, you have absolutely. that sense of feeling that you're like, okay, I know exactly where this is going. I'm not selling this to another distributor that's going to go into a warehouse that it might be split up into 50 pallets and these 50 pallets might go to another 14 different people. Like this program was truly directly to people in need, families that were poverty stricken, that just needed food in this crazy pandemic. And guess what? People like you were able to get that done. Um, people like the companies that I deal with in Citrus were able to get that done. So I do commend a lot of people that did do it and found those right partners. Our organization found one of those partners who was an Apple company as well, Randy, out of yeah. Michigan. And we did some business with them out of Michigan to supply them citrus for that first go around. So yeah, I believe like it gives you a sense of pride and you want to keep doing it. And you hope that you know the USDS funds to keep moving this forward all year round. Because I think this, this would be a pretty cool vertical to have regardless, right? I mean, I think that there's something that needs to be done because I've talked with plenty of technology companies, you know, from Trellis AI to Tithe Inc. to Demudo, and it's about food waste. There's so much mm -hmm. food waste on the production side, as you see probably in the packing house and the distri distribution side, there's tons of food waste, right? We always have coals. And then as yep. you travel through the supply chain, there's more food waste. So, Absolutely. It's just, right? So you think about it now we are eliminating certain aspects of the supply chain and getting it right to these families that are in need of it and are probably going to use it a hundred percent more than some of the others. Right? Yeah. I yeah, I think so. Absolutely. I, you know, the food waste is something that's been, um, something I've been kind of not concerned about, but hopefully wanted to help try to make a dent in it. And I started something called Produce Pipeline a few years back, producepipeline.com. And we were doing that. We were trying to find those items that growers had ex excess of that, you know, not, didn't really have necessarily quality issues in them, but they just maybe didn't have the outlets and then try to bring those direct to the market. Uh, and, and help just try to publicize those so that there was, because there probably are buyers for that stuff. It's just nobody's got the time or the resources to go find them, right? So we were trying to kind of connect them and did that for a few years. It just became a little bit, a little bit challenging. So we've, we've shelved it for the time being, especially as we work on, on um, Pacific Pro in this season. But uh, yeah, I, I agree. And then as far as food waste and this, it, there's a lot of items that a lot of these growers probably, I, I know uh, you talked to Shay before and he shared, you know, some of the onions that they had to dump. There's a lot of growers that probably would have to be doing that if it wasn't for this outlet, right? Like it, in the farmers to foods on the apple side, there's a lot of small red delicious that are going to those programs um, in bags generally. And if, 
if it wasn't for this program, a lot of that stuff would typically go to schools and camps and other programs that use small red apples uh, that aren't going on right now because of the social distancing and, and everybody, um, yeah, just staying away from each other. So as a result, this gives an outlet to a lot of those small reds that maybe wouldn't have, have a place to go otherwise. And then at the same time, they're feeding, luckily feeding families. So I think it's a neat program. I know a lot of our customers have benefited from it. Um, so yeah, we're, we're grateful they did that. It'd be awesome for the industry. I think if there was continued liquidity kind of pumped into the supply chain to, to help with that, even after COVID. But yeah, for sure. Yeah. Even after COVID, but we'll figure out some, I think our industry is very smart and have a lot of great people, a lot of smart upcoming leaders. So I believe within technology, innovation and creativity, we are going to find a way, whether it's going to be uh, directly, we do it ourselves or if the USDA helps out. So beyond this farmers yeah. to family though, let's look at this yeah. summer. Like what, what specific pro got going on over the summer? Any current crops, anything special coming out for our consumers to listen, you know, to hear uh, what, what, what fruit is going to be the fruit of the summer? Yeah, we, so we're just kind of on the tail end on the Washington cherry deal. So we do still um, are shipping dark sweets and rainier cherries, but they'll be pretty cleaned up here within a week or two. Uh, right now, a big move in the last couple of weeks has been Washington apricots, and we'll move into peaches and nectarines here in the coming weeks, and then plums after that. Washington State competes pretty heavily with California in that, and California obviously is what most people know for stone fruits. So uh, we're doing that. We just finished up on uh, Washington asparagus and rhubarb, and really we're just waiting for the new apple and pear crop to get going. So we'll start new crop Bartlett's middle of August. Uh, so about a month out, and then we'll start galas right after that, end of August. And then early September is kind of when we, we kick off all the other varieties. So Red Delicious, Gold Delicious, Granny Smith, Bosque Pears, Anjos, Honeycrisp, uh, and then a lot of the club varieties. So we're in a, about that month period where we're just kind of starting to get excited about uh, the new apple crop and having everything available again. At this point in time, you know this, I'm sure, and, and all your listeners do, but apples are generally harvested in September, October. They go into CA rooms, uh, cold storage rooms, and then they're distributed throughout the year. So apples are one of the few commodities domestically that is actually marketed all year round uh, and has, you know, can be on the shelf if you're grabbing an apple today off the shelf at your local grocery store. If it's not an import, it was pulled off a tree last September. So it's, it's a pretty unique item to have and be able to market 12 months of the year. But about this time of the year, we start running down on inventories uh, on a lot of the smaller varieties. So we're kind of down to Red Delicious, Gold Delicious, Granny Smith, Gala, Honeycrisp, Bougie, Pink Lady. And as you said earlier in this talk, there's 20 or so um, varieties anymore. So we look forward to get back into the full manifest. Yeah, right. There's, there's so many that I need to try. This is a perfect time to take a break and hear from our partners. 
Welcome to Terra Exports, a fast-paced, entrepreneurial, and innovative, multinational fresh produce company with eight divisions worldwide that handle fruits and vegetables across 65 countries. Did you know that Terra Exports was featured three times in Inc. 5000's fastest-growing companies? Terra Exports starts at the ground, literally, with the growth of the product at the farm all the way through distribution channels up into the end user. They take pride in their products, arriving fresh and damage-free, and they're there every step of the way, working alongside suppliers and customers who share in their common goal. Visit Terra Exports at www.terraexports.com, as well as following them on social media on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. If you get on their website, you can also check their availability calendars and all of the produce that they have in store. When you join Terra Exports, you become a member of their global team of thinkers, innovators, dreamers, and doers who are bringing a fresh approach to the produce and supply chain industry. So reach out to Terra Exports today at terraexports.com. Are you ready to enhance your skills? Every day we are tasked to make fast, effective decisions to keep up with the fast-paced produce industry. At AgTools, we take the pressure off of gathering data to help make your day easier and more enjoyable. Connecting the supply chain with AgTools is unique, practical, and easy. AgTools can be used from multiple angles of the produce industry, from farmers all the way to logistics companies. We call that 360-degree decision-making day after day. Visit www.ag.tools.com to gain more reliable and relevant data to see more, achieve more. And now, back to our show. Welcome back to the Produce Industry Podcast, everyone. We have Randy Hartman, and we had a lot of great talks earlier with him about the Farmers to Families program, how he's been kind of navigating with his team through COVID-19. But guess what? Now we're going to talk a little bit, you know, really just some banter talk and talk about the industry now and then a little bit more about uh, Pacific Pro. What do you got to say, Randy? What do you think? Uh, Yeah, let's do it. I was going to say, I'm kind of bummed because I was looking forward to meeting you in Monterey here in July for the PMA Food Service show, if you if you were planning to go to that. And then uh, that got called off. And then so I was thinking, well, we meet face-to-face with the Fresh Summit in October, but that one now is all virtual as well. So it's, it's uh, a little sad because I always look forward to both those shows, the opportunity to see our friends in the industry and and I'm bummed uh, we don't get to do that this year. I agree with you, man. I mean, I have done so much virtual showcases that I don't know if it's going to be the new future or if it's going to be a thing of the past, man, because I think that it started off with all this valuable free content and now everybody's putting a price tag on these summits. Heck, I know there's an Outlook or sorry, an Apple Outlook um, conference coming up. I'm not sure if you're aware that you probably are. I registered for that under the media, but even then, I mean, that that conference was up near a couple hundred dollars and it seems that all of these uh, associations or whoever they are get into this virtual world, but it's just becoming a different virtual world. You know what I mean? Compared to when it started in uh, March, you know, what was it? March 11th when shutdown happened? Yeah. And I think for them, I don't know a whole lot about that business model, but I think them, like everybody else, are just they're trying to adjust to uh, the new the new paradigm, the new normal that we're in. And 
I, I certainly hope that after this year, uh, assuming they find a you know a cure for COVID and, and we can all get together again and gather, that we would go back to in person. Because I don't, as much as I, I like technology, I think it's created a lot of efficiencies and allowed us to connect uh, really well. I think there's nothing you just can't replace face-to-face meetings and being with being with friends, right? We work with everybody or people all across the country as you do too. And, you know, that's the one time a year we may talk to them every day or every other day. Uh, some of them I talk to more than my own family, uh, my own wife and kids, it seems like, but it's getting together and breaking bread and, and having a beer, coffee um, that I really look forward to. So let's hope this isn't the new normal. And uh, again, it, it seems like it would be challenging. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the, say, for example, the PMA, I don't know how, or United Fresh, how effective those, the virtual uh, meetings are compared to the in-person conferences, you know? So I think if they find them as effective, then maybe that does become the new normal, but I certainly hope not. You know, it's funny because I look at it both ways, man, because if I was to go to a trade show, I'm more worried about going out talking to people, hitting up the bars, you know, communicating in an authentic way. Like I always talk about, right. I mean, listen, there's times where I've told my, my partner, like, I'm not going to go to the PMA, like the golf uh, deal. I'm not going to do that. And they're like, why? It's a great networking event. I go, because a lot of those teams and a lot of those people are buddies that are going golfing with their friends. And I'm not trying to be the fifth wheel here, right? I'm not, yeah. I, I want to be authentic as possible. I'm not trying to go pay my way in for a relationship, right? So I, yeah, I do I see that. But when I was at SEPC uh, in, geez, February, uh, yep. I went to SEPC and I went to some of their education summits, which I sat in. They were packed, man. They were yeah. so packed. Now at that, that time, there was other things going on that I was not able to be involved in, which was fine because I thought those education summits were more important. But yeah. I believed being able to do those summits online was more valuable to me than going to them in person because mm-hmm. I was able to be, be in front of my laptop you know what I mean? Not just sitting in a little uncomfortable chair watching all the panelists speak. It was more productive for me that I was able to get multiple things done while listening to the panelists and things like that. Now, I agree yeah, with you, man. Sense. I don't know how it worked out for United Fresh. They did say they had a great show. I did interview uh, Mary Capola from United Fresh, and she said it was a great show, and they're working on a lot of new programs for the summer. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's, I think there's pros and cons to everything. I think if you were to talk to Silicon Valley um, a year ago, two years ago, everybody was doing Zoom and all these conference calls. Our mm-hmm. industry just got into it a little bit later. I mean, I can tell you, Randy, that I was having a conversation with one of the ports uh, pre-COVID and I sent them a Zoom in, uh, invite, the link, right? And yeah. it was, they wrote back in all caps, we don't do Zoom. And it was like, what do you mean you don't do Zoom? And then COVID hit and then everybody was on Zoom, right? But it was just one of those mentalities, man, that our industry is lacking that uh, sense of awareness and technology. And you know what? We're so worried about our intellectual property and even our egos at some time that we don't want to have someone on video or see our office or see our people and see all the surroundings, right? Sometimes we don't want that. Because we all believe we have this special sauce, right, within our organization, right? We've got this mission, this vision that 
um, right. is so protective to us. But I think yeah. that if we should get back to in-person when the COVID uh, hit is over, but I think that we always still need to have these recorded live. And as I told United Fresh, you know, I got a buddy in the uh, multimedia world. He sells the video recordings of the trade shows. Like he's got people that actually will go around, walk, record everything. And then he sells that to the people that don't go. I mean, these are yeah. ways to add value to your business, right? I mean, those are ways to think about it, yeah. right? Now you're providing content for people that weren't there and you charge them a premium price. You know what I mean? So I think we should yeah. do both. I think we should have tons of video content, tons of live footage, um, but then also get back to in-person meetings. Yeah, I think I, I totally agree because I think technology provides a lot of opportunity to digest content that we wouldn't have otherwise, right? If I'm, if I'm in Tampa for the SEPC and I can only make one talk at a time and then I've got to go meet somebody over here like the amount of content and information that may actually be applicable to me that I'd like to digest and learn from, I might only be able to take in 20% of it just because of geographic physical limitations, right? But if it's all via the web and I can access it on demand, it, there's so much more that you can um, digest and so many more talks you can listen to and so many conversations you can have. And, and so I agree. But, Definitely having it on technology and being able to receive it that way is, is super important and helpful. But just as far as building relationships, and I think this industry is still so much, and I'm thankful for it, is, is relationships, right? And it's relationship driven. And you want to work with people you like and trust and you built a rapport with. And a lot of our customers are, are I would consider them really good friends. I know their families. Um, well, and, and we get a couple times a year to get together and, and just have a good time. I, I don't think that can go away. And if it does, it does, but I, it just would be sad because that's one of my favorite parts of, of the industry is just those long-term relationships. Yeah, I agree. And I talk about that a lot on the podcast. It's all about relationships. I mean, even the relationships we're creating in this new world, right? Because now I am yeah. I'm looking forward to meeting all these new people in person and shaking hands. I mean, when I helped with the farmers to families program up in uh, Michigan, I mean, I, I flew up there during this COVID. It was probably about yeah. a month ago, not even. I actually did were a you podcast. the only one on the plane? No, the plane, the plane was packed, man. It, it maybe really? had like 15 empty seats, but I said it was the perfect time to travel because I've never seen an airport or a plane smell so clean in my life. Like, yeah, you that, know what I mean? Like that, yeah. I, I, I went to the bathroom of the plane and it was like, I was like, Whoa, I was like, this, this smells fresh in here, man. I was like, <laughs> you know, and then as you're walking out, like you walk out of the bathroom and then the, the flight attendants walking in with Clorox wipes. You know what I mean? You're like, yeah. dang, like it wasn't like the normal um, being on, being on the airplane and some normal people travel probably, experience. Yeah, yeah. But, and I flew, like I said, I flew to uh, grand Rapids, Michigan. And I say, I go to, I went to the front line, but I mean, we're always on the front line, but I did, I went to the packing facility. I watched our, our boxes being packed. I watched our oranges going in the boxes, checked out a couple of the uh, food banks and schools that were distributing them. So awesome. yeah, man, I mean, it, it was powerful. And what was really powerful is that, you know, I went up there right during this time and I got to meet, you know, the owners of the facility, you know, um, I already knew the buyer, right. I already did business with him, but yeah. I got to meet a lot of other people 
uh, that was great. And I got to shake hands and elbow bump and all that fun stuff with people and go have lunch. And, and it was, yeah. it, it did, it felt great. Right. I mean, I, it felt great to sit there and have conversation and, and, and be like, Hey, you know, is everything going to be okay? I don't know, but it feels like it right yeah. now. You know, we're, we're doing business, we're doing commerce and you know, people are getting fresh fruit and you know, everything's good. You know what I mean? And I say it like that totally. because that, that's what it feels like. Right. And I know the COVID situation is happening, but it did feel good to get out and, and see some of the process, you know? Yeah. I think so two things kind of come to mind from that first, you know, produce is unique in that the commodity we're selling, it's not a widget, right? It's not stamped out by a machine and it's the same. And so you know what you're getting every time it's, it's unique. Uh, it grows on a tree. We don't have a hundred percent control over quality, size, grading, all that kind of stuff. And so, so much of that is relying on the relationships that you build and, and the trust that you build between each other, right? When you're buying something, especially something that's perishable and, uh, and a large purchase each time. So I think that's why that relationship will always be a unique and important part of the industry. Um, but then the second part on it, where you're talking about companies kind of adjusting and pivoting and, uh, to COVID, what I've had to be careful of, and I've talked about this with friends in other industries, is really not developing COVID brain, where you start kind of viewing everything through that prism because, you know, it, it may be gone in two or three months and you don't want to adjust, over adjust uh, a business model so much to adapt to this, that it's really challenging to go back. You know, if everything does kind of go back to normal. And I think um, as, as people in general and, and Americans, you know, kind of short-term memory, right? You, you get through it and you move on and, and things get back to normal. And I think this would probably be something behind us. And we will go back to the way business was before, hopefully a little bit better and more efficient. But it's, it's, I think we all need to be cautious to probably not overcorrect. And we've been using that term COVID brain. Don't, you know, just don't get into COVID brain making all these decisions, but be aware that's there. That's an obstacle. It's a variable to consider, but there's a good chance starting 2021, the business will be relatively back to normal. And, and you've got to think out three, six, 12 months. You can't just think in the immediate. I agree with you. I think that you got to pivot and adjust to the situations. I call these, right? Or we all call them external factors of your business, right? We either yeah, learned about definitely. it in college or you learned about it from personal experience, right? These are external yeah. factors. These are acts of God. These are the things in the contract that you never want to see. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, these are. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Um, these are times that if you could thrive during this, and, I, and I'll be very clear with everybody, if you are thinking you're going to weather a storm here, um, your business is probably headed in the wrong direction or you have a niche that's hanging on or has hung on for too long. Um, because right now, you should be perfecting your business saying, okay, if I can be resilient and proactive during this time, right, and reactive while building yeah. new business models and creating sustainability, long-term growth, and safety for myself, my employees, and my industry, that's how you should be thinking. Don't just think you're going to weather the storm because you're a big company, you've got funds in the bank, because companies right now and leaders like Randy, myself, 
Brent, Michael Chavez, all these guys that are out there, we're watching who's doing what and what the industry is doing. We're seeing that because we're also seeing who are the next people that we're going to start doing business with and how are they going to react in these next times beyond COVID, right? Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I think it creates really unique opportunities. Um, you know, if a business is, is fortunate enough to be able to kind of continue business as usual and not have to adjust, then they're in a unique position and, and more power to them. I think that that's a great, great place to be, to be that um, insulated from a global pandemic. But the majority of businesses, obviously in our industry and probably businesses worldwide are being impacted by this significantly. And if you can emerge, you can take this opportunity, really unique opportunity, right? This is a once in a lifetime, probably once in a century or maybe not millennia, but opportunity to really get better and, and you're being forced to, that it, it'd, be, it'd be too bad to let it, let it slip away um, and not emerge a better, better company in, in whatever respects that is. Um, yeah, exactly. Well, like so, you said, culture too, right? I mean, even if you're yeah. doing well within your uh, organization, say you're selling all your produce, right? Awesome. But are you working on your culture? Because everybody has a different mindset right now. So if you're not sure. working on the money aspect of it, you got to be working on your culture of it. Because if not, your people are going to think, wait a minute. So I am. They just care about the profits, the money, the revenues, when we should fo be focusing on our people, our culture, our team, empathy, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that is Pacific, bro. That is every business, is the, the people. Uh, the byproduct or hopefully the outcome of people working well together, of having a good culture, hopefully for a business is profits. But first and foremost, the stuff you get up and do all day, every day, the people you communicate with, hopefully enjoying your job, that's, that's what's important for quality of life. Um, the rest of the stuff, if a company's doing it well, I think, follows right but but first of all first and foremost it's having a culture of people that enjoy each other that all work towards a common goal that uh, really working in our business we work really hard to serve really serve our customers and meet their needs and I think you know if you're doing that well and, and hopefully people are enjoying and none of us are always going to enjoy our job obviously but to the extent we can and, and enjoy the culture and the people we get to work with I think the success and the, the byproduct is a successful company. So it's, it's hard though in this season. And I don't know, let me know if you've seen this and you talk to a lot of business owners. It, it's really hard somewhat because the future is relatively unknown. It's hard to know how to adjust and pivot and react. It kind of changes day to day almost. You know, it is changing day to day. And, and I think we go back to your comment that that's why you're not trying to over pivot or over adjust. Even in my business, I mean, our citrus producers are doing status quo. Uh, orders went up, like I said, on some of the previous podcasts. And, you know, it was a good percentage. Prices stayed uh, very good. And, but now if you look at it, we got summer imports coming in. We have all these uh, other options, other substitutes, uh, different ways of thinking. You know, I just saw it. Uh, I think it was either Fresh Plaza or the Produce News put out, you know, citrus is still, still banging. Uh, citrus is starting to slow down a little bit, right? Um, because yeah. again, yeah. summer citrus, it's used for certain things, cruise lines, drinks, you know, food service. And, you know, those are things that luckily, like I said, we didn't over adjust and figure out, oh, we need to 
procure this size or sell this to certain people. It's like, we kind of kept status quo. We kind of adjusted. We're building new verticals within our industry. We're networking in different ways, right? We're working on our people. We're actually working on our logo, our brand design, right? So, uh, you know, that's some things that I've seen within myself, right? In my company and with others, it's like they're branding differently, right? Uh, Update your logo if you haven't in a while. Do different things. That's what I've seen people do. And that's where I see the adjust and the pivots are coming. New products are coming out. New websites are coming out. I mean, these are all the cool things that I'm seeing from people outside of just trying to sell more produce. Because as I told um, a director of procurement, a a large retailer at SCPC, I said, it is more than just selling a piece of fruit anymore. I don't want to just sell you an orange. I want to sell you an orange with solutions, with value, with content. Absolutely. Absolutely. When I think that's a neat thing that we've seen in the business the last decade or so is it's becoming more service and solution based rather than just product based. Right. And so I think consumers are requiring a lot more of us. There's so much information out there constantly on products and quality and food safety and all those things. So they're requiring a lot more uh, from their growers from their suppliers that's i think made the industry a lot better just to to adapt to that um but i I was gonna say you know part of the challenge like the uniqueness so we sell a lot of say small apples for school districts around the country right a lot of those apples right now are going in these bags for the usda programs and and trying to say okay well this is a good outlet for them now but typically right about this time of the year august schools will start going back around the country especially in the southeast and and southwest but are they going to be back right are they going to be going to the classroom if so is every kid going to have an apple on their tray and if they're not and they're going to go to remote uh, remote school and they're not going to get school lunches at least uh, um free and reduced will still be there, but uh, the average student maybe wouldn't be getting a, a lunch every day. Where is that supply going to go? Right. What's the next outlet or how can we, how can we rebrand them or recreate a new system for distributing those? And um, I know Brent's done it with brothers and a number of, of other of our customers have where they're putting them in their own food boxes outside of the USDA program. And um, to find another uses for the product, another direct to consumer, even for wholesaler and food service customers, direct to consumer uh, outlets for them. So, but it's those kinds of things of trying to have the foresight to say, what, what is this going to look like? How does this change our business? How does this change our customer's business? And how can we support them through that and help them adjust and be successful? Oh man, it's a lot of great things to think about. I mean, that, that strategy involved, there's a lot of different aspects of that. And I do agree. My wife's a teacher and Hillsborough yeah. County school board is now meeting to think they're going to extend the year out. Um, there's yeah. things that my wife and I are thinking about, but I totally agree. And this is where our industry has to come together and figure these things out. I know I'm working on a lot of different models with, with a few different people. And it's like, listen, at the end of the day, we got to get creative and innovative uh, to be able to sell these pieces of fruit, right? It, you know, you think about it like they're not widgets, but in a sense of this, when we have an oversupply and we're dumping 30 million pounds of onions, like Shay told me, no, we got to look at these things yeah. going, how can we move these widgets at this point? How can we, and they're safe. It's for food. It's people for people, but you know what I mean? So, well, yeah. Randy, listen, 
I'm going to tell you, I've enjoyed having you on the show today. I've enjoyed your insight and knowledge uh, within multiple types of uh, products and industries. So if anybody does want to get a hold of you or your team, how can we get a hold of you? Uh, yes, um, obviously through uh, email Randy H R A N D Y H at P A C P R O sales.com. That's uh, packprosales.com uh, via our website, uh, packprosales.com, and uh, through our phone, 425 885 7200 is our office phone number, and you can get any of our team there. So, and then, you know, I'd love to connect with anybody via LinkedIn or any of the social outlets. So find me there. And uh, yeah, I just always looking to grow the network, but make new friends and especially in the industry. Randy, uh, thank you for coming on the show today, man. Hey, real quick. I want to thank you very much for this opportunity. Um, I'm just honored to be even asked, asked to do it. And it's been awesome getting to know you here recently, but also just want to say thank you to our team and uh, our, our customers, our, our partners in the business, our vendors, everybody, they, they're the ones that make this uh, keep going. So we couldn't do it without them. We're so grateful for them. So thanks for the time, Patrick. Really appreciate you. You've been listening to the Produce Industry Podcast with Patrick Kelly. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor to get new, fresh weekly episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Produce Industry Podcast. Until next time, see you in the fields or on the horizon.